Hello, it's Cree Mitchell again saying God bless you. I love you. I'm glad to be back with you. And this is part two in our little series of uh, getting back to normal. And this is dealing with discerning the times. And I think just in looking at where we are and with the pandemic and the quarantines, on quarantine, off quarantine, People coming down with the cases, others testing positive, some testing negative, some having symptoms, some having not. And sometimes it can leave you a little bewildered and kind of shake you a little bit. And talking to people, I found some people have gotten scared and you, you have to reinforce their faith that we're going to be okay. No matter what comes, we're going to be okay. And that we're constantly changing and evolving and moving towards something better. Not something worse, something better. And that's what we have to look at. If we get fear in our eyesight, we'll look to see that there's something worse coming. And in doing that, I realized that uh, scriptures came to my mind. And the one that I've, I find real interesting is something that Jesus had said to his disciples. And I... It's in uh, St. Matthew 16 and 13. We talked to them about being able to discern the times. And so I'm going to find that and read that to you. It says in, uh, in St. Matthew 16, he tells them, and in the morning it will be stormy that they were able to, people are able to discern. Let me go back a couple of scriptures so that we have it right. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to him. This is the beginning of the chapter. And to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them in verse two. It says, and he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the time. And I began to realize that, uh, and that's the uh, in a, uh, English standard version. I think the King James version says about discerning the times. And that seems to be what the church body as a whole and religious people, we have to be able to discern the time in which we live in. I've seen so many angry people protest and whatever because the shutdowns of jobs and whatever. And what people are not realizing is that, and I understand people are wanting to work and you need to work and and there's some fear in it and there's cutbacks and shortcuts and, and companies are closing up and it's a global effect, not just a nation or a city or a state or a county. And I understand that. But we have to, as the church, we even neglected to discern what was coming. God had spoke to individuals and people and gave out warnings that there were some things coming and we didn't interpret it. And I'm saying we, because I'm putting myself included, because I've had several dreams leading up past several years and not understanding fully and just chalking it up to be a dream and realizing now you were warning us, you were telling us, this is coming. This is what you're going to have to do. Do it. You may not like to do it because the government is saying do it. 
And yes, you have rights. But for this time at this stage, this is what I'm requiring of you, to follow the guidelines, to follow the rules. I know what I'm doing. And I know what I'm building in you. You got to trust me. And uh, I know there's been people or the schools are worried about kids who have been abused, maybe being abused more, even though the numbers have gone down because they're stuck in the house with abusive parents. That may be true. That's why we as saints have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray even the more for our nation, our leaders, the people around us, our neighbors, people in our home. We've got to pray even the more. Speak the word over them. Apply the blood of Jesus upon them. These are the things that we should have been doing, but now there's an urgency even the more. I think about uh, in the book of Isaiah where one of the kings told Isaiah, I'm going to try to find it, where he said, the children have come to the birth, but there's not strength to bring them forth. And that's in Isaiah 37 and 3. Hezekiah said, he said, because... uh, I believe it was Sennacherib had surrounded them and it's sent out all these evil threats and I'm going to destroy you. No, believe in your God. He's the one that delivered you to me and our God is stronger. And you guys, you people are not getting, you're not going to be let out. I'm going to kill you all unless you surrender to me. And this is it. And so Hezekiah spreads out everything before the Lord and he sends a message to Isaiah. And this is what he's saying. He said, this is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when children come to the moment of birth and there's no strength to bring them forth. You know, it's just like he, Isaiah, I mean, Hezekiah is saying, it's like, we're in labor, water's broke. We're ready to give birth. We're ready for the, the new thing, but we've got this distress. We're in the pain of it. Hezekiah was smart enough to know there was something new coming out of it, something fresh, but I don't have strength to deliver myself. I don't have strength to do what I need to do. I don't have the power. You know, God, I need you. And I think that we've all been in this situation, even now, or we're finding ourselves in it, or we'll be in it. And it's it's a daily process. But even in this, we need to step back and trust him and hold on to his word, because he's never forsaken his people. Now, we've forsaken him, but he has never forsaken us. He is faithful to the end. And Someone says, okay, Cree, how can you say that? This happened to me and that happened to me. And my loved one passed away. And this this week, yesterday, they buried a, a cousin of mine. And I hadn't known her a whole lot of years, but at least five or six. And I, I met her just by accident. And she was a person that gravitated to, full of life and zest and and she died of cancer, not of COVID, but she died of cancer. And her life is a celebration. And people say, well, you believe in healing her? I know that. I didn't even know she was sick until she passed. And uh, that's not my business, whether or not she was healed or why she wasn't healed. That's between her and God. But I do know the people she touched, the just reading the comments and they weren't able to do a funeral because of COVID. And so they just buried her. And uh, it was just, it was just beautiful. My memories of her, as well as reading others' memories of her. 
She was a light. She touched. And in this moment, I saw the love and the compassion. The family wasn't angry. They're they're loving each other. They're, they're grateful for what time they had. And they're thankful. They use this as a moment of discerning things and encouraging other people to spend time with your loved ones. Don't negate things. You know, the little things, the little things. Appreciate the little things. Because when those people are gone, you can't get that back. The memories will be all that you have. And we're all processing through. So I want to encourage it again that we just need to be able to discern and look at what God is doing. Even the more I looked at, at the book of Esther, um, when we talk about change, you've got children of Israel taken into bondage, and then all of a sudden, this king, Artaxas, has a wife, Vashti, so beautiful. He's throwing a party. He and his friends are drunk. He decides he wants to parade his beautiful wife around. That wasn't done. That was not the norm. Catch that word for women of her stature to go into a drunken arena with the men and let them look at you and you can walk around and let them see you. And he's got to. That wasn't the norm because that wasn't the norm. Vashti refused to go. She was having a party with her ladies. And she wasn't going to be brought down to that level. Even though he was the king. She was not going to be brought down. So the king's advisors advised him to divorce her, shut her up, lock her up. So he locked her away for the rest of her life. And she was no longer queen. And he never went to see her again. So then they, then he got to feeling bad afterward, not to, thinking about it. And so his advisors said, we'll get a new queen. So they round up all the young women in that area, Jewish as well. And they ended up getting a young lady whose name was changed to Esther. I think her name was Hadass, but they changed it to Esther. And she had an uncle Mordecai who raised her. And uh, he could go in and out of the court. He had some standing. Mordecai advised her not to tell people that she was a Jew. She found favor with one of uh, the king's eunuchs, and he advised her on certain things when she went in before the king. And she found favor with king the most, and so he made her queen and married her. Well, there was a man by the name of Haman who hated the Jews. He hated Mordecai. Found out Mordecai was a Jew. So he talked king of Texas into signing a decree that they could go on a certain day and kill all the Jews. Mordecai finds out about it and he goes to Esther and he tells her, you need to go to the king. And she said, nobody can go to the king until he sends for you. If you go to the king without him sending for you, you, you can be beheaded unless he hands out, reaches out his scepter to you and allows you to touch it. So he told her, you don't have to do this. God will raise up a deliverer somewhere else. But you and your household will be lost. And could this be that you came to the kingdom for such a time as this? And Esther thought about the words. You need to read the book of Esther. It's not that many chapters. I believe it's about 
four or five, something like that. Good book to read. And so she says, okay, I need you to fast. People fast. My maids and I are going to fast. If I perish, I perish. I'm going to fast for certain days, but I'm going to see the king. So Esther goes before the king without being announced, without being called. And his whole court is quiet while they watch to see what the king is going to do. And they assume the king is going to have her killed because he didn't send for her. What does he do? But he hands out his scepter. He tells her, what is your wish? I will give it to you. So she asks for the king to come to a party, a banquet, she saw, and to bring Haman. So he comes. He says, what is it you wish? I will give it to you up to the half of my kingdom. And she says, come back to a banquet tomorrow and I will tell you. So he comes back again and he asks her, what's her wish? And so then she begins to tell them that someone was planning on killing her and, who, and her family. And he says, who, who is it? And she says, it's Haman. Well, what the king and Esther didn't know was that Haman had already bid the gallows to hang Mordecai on. And um, he was celebrating with his family because he had been invited to go to this and all was going to be well. And what ends up happening is that Haman gets hung on his own gallows. And then Queen Esther asked the king to, to change his decree that the Jews were to be killed. And he said, no, but take my, let Mordecai take my ring. And allow, he allows them to arm themselves. And anybody that comes after them, they can kill. So that's what they did. And it was a big celebration. But the change was made. And Esther did not go back to who she was. The king did not go back to who he was. His whole country did not go back to the way they were. The Jews were liberated. So there's constantly a change. We have to be able to discern the times that we live in. That's more imperative than anything else. We do not discern the times that we live in will be lost. And we will see other destructions. And so that's why it's most important for us to ask God, even in this time, what are you trying to show? What is it I need to see? What is it I need to know? What is it I need to do? Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 5 and 14 says, but solid food is for the mature and for those who have the powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So we need to be able to discern good from evil, but we also which takes us even the more into this time that we're living in. Even though this is a bad thing that is happening and an evil thing, there was good to come out of it. Uh, Samson is an unusual individual in the Bible, in the book of Judges. And the riddle that he made, he gave it to his fiance's, uh, I guess, family members, friends in the town, as they were coming to the wedding and he gave them a riddle and he told them, out of the bitter comes the sweet, out of the eater comes meat. Now what they didn't know was that he had come across the lion, wrestled the lion, killed the lion, came back through and he was famished and inside the lion's carcass was honey. Bees had made a hive and honey. So he ate the honey out. Even though he was not supposed to touch the dead thing, he did it anyway. So 
The men could not solve the riddle and they put her, his fiance up to, they threatened her. She didn't get the answer and she gave them the answer. And it ended up being that Samson got angry and had to give them a bunch of stuff. And he got mad and burned up some fields. And so the men that had gotten the answer to the riddle got mad and killed his wife. And uh, another man, she ended up mad because her father thought Samson didn't want her. And her father. But it just goes to show you that my main point is the fact that in the bitterest things of life, the example that Samson was trying to give, no matter how decaying it may be and horrible it may be, God will turn it around according to Romans 8 and 28, make all things work together for good for us who are called, who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And there are people who are called according to his purpose who don't even know they're called according to his purpose. They don't know him and they're not called, like Cyrus. If you look at King uh, Cyrus, he had been called hundreds of years before the prophecy had went out on King Cyrus and God had said what he would do. And how according he, to Wikipedia. According to how, how God had delivered Cyrus had delivered the children of Israel by using King Cyrus. And when the scrolls were found and Cyrus saw that uh, he was mentioned, he realized that God had used him. God had used him to deliver his people. And I'm trying to find that for you. Um, Because he delivered the people from... You'll, Ezra talks about it in the book of Ezra. But he's mentioned Ezra talks about him. He's also mentioned in Isaiah. Chapters 40 through chapters 55. You'll you'll see there'll be some mention of Cyrus in there. And uh, the interesting thing about Cyrus is that he got the idea because Babylon was so built and they had the waters, they had um, man-made rivers they had built in. Cyrus got the idea to block the flow of the water and come up through that ravine, through this, and that's how he was able to get in and to defeat the king that was over Babylon and take over, Cyrus the Great. So um, it's some interesting reading. If you get a minute, look it up and read it. But it's just the fact that even though he didn't know the God of Israel, the God of Israel was using him and directing him to come in and to do what he needed to do to take over, to free his people. God will use people who are not Christian to advance his will for his people. And he loves them too. The word of God says he reigns on the just as well as the unjust. The son, God loves all of mankind. He does. And he's forever trying to find a way to woo all of mankind to him so that we can live the best life possible. But even in living that life, there will be changes. There will be growth. Growth is change. You're not wearing the same shoe you wore when you were born. 
You're wearing a whole nother shoe if you're grown. Even if you're not grown. We're constantly growing physically. We got constantly growing mentally, emotionally we should be, and spiritually. We're constantly growing and maturing and becoming the new man that God wants us to, to be, the new individual. So we have to discern this time. Quarantine is not a bad thing. I think it's uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, of self-discipline and self-control. And that's what we need. This is a time for us as Christians or non-Christians to be able to get some self-control because that's the one thing that we've been lacking is self-control. We don't have it. I want what I want when I want it, and I want it now. Actually, yeah, it's 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, of self-discipline and self-control. And that's what's lacking. You, you see it all the time. I want what I want. I want to win now. If I can't win, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm, I want what I want now. And I'm watching people because they want. They don't want change. They don't. And I know there's some changes that are devastating. Believe me, I've had some. But you have to realize there's some things that you cannot do anything about. You're going to have to write it out. In one of my other podcasts, I talk about taking classes. And I went back to school. Uh, as an older student, much older student. And uh, I had an instructor. I was finishing up my bachelor's, Chief Brown. I'll never forget it. And he was the head of the uh, fire department, I believe for the state. He was the head. And Chief Brown, which I did not know at the time, was also a minister, a pastor. He had quit pastoring and went to teaching and was over the fire department. And uh, the first day he came to class, he was talking about himself and he would go around the room so we could all say what we needed to say. It was about 12 or 13 of us. And he would start to say something and then he would say, I'm going to let you he would point to the first person. I want you to tell me about yourself, but I need to tell you this. And he would begin to tell a story. And the story was ex mirroring exactly who that individual was. And I began to watch. And I was with a friend of mine, one of my the classmates, Star. And I told Star, I said, it's going to be interesting. This man is more than what we think. He's not who we think he is. She said, what are you saying? I said, I don't know. This man is operating in some gifts. And... Um, I had just told Star before class, I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like I'm drowning. I don't know. I'm fighting the water. I feel like I'm drowning. Well, the chief goes all the way down and he gets to me and he says, well, I don't want you to tell me about yourself. He said, before you do that, let me tell you a story. So he says it was his senior year in high school, a couple of weeks before graduation. And he had finally gotten his act together and they brought his grades up and wasn't flunking. And uh, he decides to go whitewater rafting and he gets flipped, the boat flips over and the raft flips over and he's fighting the currents and he's down and he's, you know, there's this big bush and something in the water and he's fighting it and he's fighting it and he's fighting it. All of a sudden a voice tells him, 
Stop fighting. Go with the flow. And then it sucks him down and pushes him out on the other side of the bush. And then he turns to me and says, Wanda, you want to tell me about yourself? And I just threw up my hands and my friend Star said, oh my God, Wanda, you just said that. And so I asked him, who are you? He said, I'm, you know, I'm work for the fire department. He said, but at one time I was a pastor and I got burnt out. I said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And it was interesting because that man would speak things into our lives and especially mine. And uh, the last day of class, he said some things that were prophetic to me. And I knew, I knew God's giving me a warning. Got to watch, got to watch. And things went down just exactly like he said. But I, I realized then that we have got to be able to go with the current, go with the flow. Fighting this current, fighting the, the shutdown, fighting the lockdown, all of that stuff. Because people are not doing this because they want you in debt or destitute or homeless on the street and no food. They're, the authorities are not doing it because of it. They're doing it trying to save your life. That's what this is about. So you're going to have to, and it's God using them to save your life in this pandemic. And I'm telling you, we've got some days, difficult days ahead, as Dr. King would say, difficult days ahead. And it's not over. Do not be deceived in thinking we can go back to the way it was. We will never go back to the way it was. And we're going to have to watch. And some uh, reports are saying possibly two years. You were warned, the medical community had warned us that at least 18 months. So I'm telling you, there are going to be some spurts and some ups and downs. But we got to remain constant in Jesus. Put your faith and your hope in God. He's got you in this. Don't let it shake you. And you're going to have to teach your children the same thing. I know you hear somebody saying, but I got kids. I'm trying to homeschool kids. You mean, I got three years of homeschool? I don't know. But if that is the case, Remember what the Hebrew boys said, our God is able to deliver us, but if he does not, we won't bow. Don't let it shake you, because he's got you in the midst of this. He's got your children in the midst of this. So many times I have heard all through the years where children were the way they were, and uh, they were disrespectful and all of this because there was no prayer in school. Well, you got them at home now. Are you praying with them? Are you teaching them to pray? Are you getting them in the word? That's a question I'm asking. Because if there's no reinforcement at home, the teachers can teach the kids how to count and their ABCs all they want to. And they send them home with homework. If you do not go over that homework and reinforce it, it does no good anyway. Because what they learn at home is what's going to be the biggest thing that they take through life. Because you're the village. The teachers are part of the village, but you're the main nucleus of that village. So I'm telling you right now, it's St. John's. John the Baptist told the Pharisees, the axe is laid at the root. He didn't lay it at the limb. If there's a problem with the tree, you got to treat the root. The root, parents, you're the root. Got it, grandparents, you're the root. We've got to treat that. We've got to work together. And maybe 
when this is all lifted and schools open back up, some of y'all are going to be a little more appreciative of those teachers and get more involved in what's going on in the schools. And I'd expect them to raise your children. I said it. Yes, I did. Because this is, I'm a woman who's had to raise, who's raised children. So I, I know you got to get involved. You got to be involved all the way through constantly. Even then you don't feel like it. You may be tired coming over. Be involved. You do what you got to do, but you got to be involved. I want to encourage you again. This is Cree Mitchell. Discerning the times. There is no normal. So you can get that out of your mind. We're just asking God to help us be able to go through the next phase of life. Even of this pandemic and whatever else is to come. Help us to be able to go through victorious and whatever it is that we face in the days ahead. Because we can't go back to Egypt. It's non-existent. There's a Red Sea back behind us. You need to look at that. We're never going back to that. This is Cree Mitchell saying, God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Father God, I ask that you touch our listeners right now. We speak health, wholeness, and healing to you. There's some of you that are looking for jobs. Father, open up doors for jobs. We speak prosperity, that people will move. You'll move on the hearts of people to help those that are in need. We speak health and healing right now. We bind any sickness, hurt, harm, or danger that would come against you. If you're in a battered situation, whether male or female, we ask for God to guide you in the right direction, to get you out of that situation, to take you to a new one, to open your eyes to see that he's with you and that you're victorious in him through Jesus Christ. This is Cree Mitchell saying, hit me up on Gmail, Cree Mitchell 7, C-R-E-M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-7 at gmail.com. I love you. God bless you. Have peace.